0: So it's time for another bisexual brunch and everyone seems to be coming out as bi at the moment, Uh, but we know it's not as easy as Superman embracing his newfound bisexuality, don't we? For many, especially people in established relationships, it's a real struggle to come out, especially those who worry that being open will lead to them being rejected by their long-term partners. But in this edition, we're focusing on the positives and we're asking bi people across the generations and across the globe to tell us what's the good thing about being bi. That's just one part of this edition of Bisexual Brunch with Nikki Hodgson, Lewis Oakley and Ashley Byrne.
1: If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we'd be living in a totally different format.
0: We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual.
2: Just don't think there are enough bi-perspectives on bi-issues.
3: I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that.
2: It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies.
4: And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up.
2: Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice.
3: can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is
4: Bisexual Brunch.
0: So it's Bisexual Brunch again. We're all back, but in... Well, one of us is in a slightly different location. It's looking a little bit different on this Zoom um a little bit I don't know, I can't work it out. You've you've angled your camera, Nikki, in a particular way. It looks organised, but I get an impression it's not really. You've just moved, haven't you?
3: <laughs> We've moved house. I've got a mortgage, grown up now, can't quit my job anymore, even if I wanted to, etc. No, it's all good. We've moved into a gorgeous house and um feeling very lucky actually because my husband has done 90% of the moving labour. He basically gives me orders and I fulfil them, which doesn't sound terribly feminist, does it? But actually, it it's the best way. He tells me to unpack boxes and I do it. And he's kind of the master organiser. So there are some boxes behind me in the background. Uh, but you can see there's this sh- this bookshelves there full of books, you No, know? The books have been the bane of our moving life because I've inherited my dad's library and I haven't gotten rid of enough stuff. And my husband said, if there are too many books for the bookshelves, they're going in the bin. So, you've just got to make them fit. It was very, very strong about that. So, I, ne- I do need to get rid of some books. Because, you know, there's that whole adage about why do people have so many books on their bookshelves that they never read? It's all about, it's about like, a, it's an ego thing, isn't it? About like l- making yourself look smart, thinking, kidding yourself that one day you're going to read your whole library, et cetera, et cetera. So, that's kind of a situation we're in. I haven't even got to my clothes yet, Ash. I've been wearing the same three outfits on <laughs> rotation for the past two weeks.
0: But some people today, Uh, and certainly members of my family some people don't have any books at all
3: well I never trust a person if I go into the house there's not a bookshelf I'm like hang on a minute we can't be friends sorry I'm judgmental
0: like that have you got many books Lewis (laughs) Lewis, do you have books (laughs) I do I do have
2: I do have some books but basically I was actually cleaning off our bookshelf which we have a really impressive bookshelf but it's in the hallway and it's, like, attached into the wall. So I could never have done the whole, oh, look at my books behind me. But the majority are all children's books. Like, they're, they're, for, they're for Jamie amazing. Yeah, so. but that's,
3: loved, that's brilliant. I mean, so kids are bloody well looked after, as far as I'm concerned.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. It, but, it, you know, it's it's difficult, though, isn't it? I mean, I've got uh, literally a whole room next door, which... Uh, well it's basically all the stuff that we never managed to get through when we moved 11 years ago and I just like you know it's gonna have to be sorted at some point I mean it's, it's ridiculous I mean the fact Ash, that how, not... do you,
3: how do you actually sleep at night knowing that that room is full of stuff that you probably don't need anymore
0: and to be fair we've added to it actually when occasionally when there's too much stuff around we're like where do we put that we just shove stuff in that room <laughs> So. Yeah,
3: well I, I confronted that demon about three weeks ago where my husband was like, right, this can't all come. You've got to call some of it. And with clothes, I was very successful, but books, not so much.
0: No, it's hard. How's your um how's your how's your doggy cope with the move?
3: Oh, he has loved it. He was so stressed out on the day that we actually moved, but he's got a garden now. The problem is, because he's a sausage dog, he can't get down the large concrete steps to the grass. So we have to sort of fling him down, let him play for a while and then go collect him. If you leave him, he starts barking and whining. So we need to get him a special doggy ramp so he can go down and up when it pleases him. (laughs) This is sausage dog live. If you own a sausage dog, you've always got to think about ramps
0: for them. Now, Lewis, you've developed a bit of a dad bod, haven't you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I sense
2: sense the dad bod coming because I've tried on one or two like trousers that I that I've worn in the past but haven't worn in ages and like struggled to get them on and you know with a baby that doesn't sleep um and you know working from home more than ever because of the pandemic actually like I just need to get moving so I went to the gym this morning for the first time since I lived in Manchester which was at least two years ago two or
3: listeners th- was it, three it was years at least three years ago, years ago. <laughs> was
2: it three years ago <laughs> It must be, because Mays well, it, it won, actually. It was a
3: long time ago. It was a Sorry, long time Well,
2: that was the last time I had a gym membership. And I, I still get the text from that gym, like, hey, renew your membership. And I'm like, how do you still have this number? Um, so, no, I'm, I'm trying to make the effort to be as fit as possible. Anyone that knows me knows I hate London cyclists. Sorry if they're any listening. But I, I'm actually going to have to join them, I think. I'm going to start cycling <laughs> places as well just oh just to Shut keep fit because in... i think when you've got a baby in a full-time job like this whole exercising thing there's just a, well where is this time in well, the day that you're just no going to go time. off
0: and flex dad, your muscles some people find dad bods attractive Louis. lots
3: not. of people do wasn't hang on wasn't that voted in a daily mail poll or something you know that very uh <laughs> that peak of veracity appalling of that dad bods what turned most women on anyway
2: well, I'm go. not trying to turn people on, I'm taken. This is for me. I'm sick of scrolling down my Instagram and feeling like I'm catfishing myself. I don't look like this anymore.
0: Now you too
2: like, this, is, this is purely for me. <laughs> and Cat for Catfishing
3: my... myself is like the quote of the year. that
0: you, you both mentioned cycling and I've, I've, I don't think I've cycled since I was about 15, to be fair. I, I think I could obviously ride a bike. I'm sure I could still ride a bike. But... Um, the, the prospect of cycling in central London fills me with hell. complete dread. I mean, how do you go about it? It must be frightening actually, in a way. I,
3: I did it for about six months when I thought I was gonna get into it and become that person that commuted by cycling. My nerves by the chat, like, oh my god, the road rage of cyclists is next level, Lewis. It, it's not like driving a car. It's like that times eight times some kind of devilish vampiric impulse amongst the cyclists. When you all are in a cycle lane and you all arrive at the traffic light on the cycle lane together, there's this horrible clack clacking of shoes coming off bikes. You know, the people that clip in their shoes, which is like next level cycling. Yeah. They all race to the front and then the rest of us, the dregs, the left at the back. And you are, it is a proper dog eat dog situation where you've got to get your foot on the pedal quick enough as the lights change to get through the junction. I have never been so stressed in my life. Like, I would get to work, I'd be shaking. I don't like so it. so intense. I-
2: I do not like it. And as someone that is a dad that has like, you know, is walking around with a pram and I see cyclists just go straight through zebra crossings and red lights at my pram. Like, I I don't like that. I don't think they're very good people. I think we need tougher sentences. None of this like fine stuff. I think if the police see a cyclist go through a zebra crossing or a red light, they should just take the bike away. Because that would be enough of a punishment that they wouldn't do it anymore because those bikes are expensive. That they are be expensive. And, yeah. and then they would just behave a little bit better. But basically, I've already, I've looked at the route. So basically, I can pretty much go along the river for, for most of it. And then I basically turn off the river, go over a bridge, and it is literally a straight line to Battersea Park. And then I just kind of cut through the park and I'm at work. So I've done That's, the, I found the yeah. safest route. I'm going to get one of the old Boris bikes if they if I can find one and I'm going to just do it a few times before I actually buy a bike.
3: I think that's smart because I know where you work because it's where I used to work and that Yeah. You I mean obviously you're coming from a different direction from me but that ride in across the bridge is actually quite pleasant in London. You yeah. just got if it's if there's good cycle lanes you'll be okay but you yeah. need to find a time that's not rush hour cycling to to cycle because otherwise you'll be stressed as hell when you get into the office. That's all I am saying. Well, I
2: thought what I would do is like do do a dummy run on like a Sunday and see what it's like, and then yeah, and then try it one day where I've not got much on in the office. So if I show up late, it's not going to be a terrible. I thing. think we
0: need to uh, reinstate the, um, you know, our reputation for being fair and nice to people uh, as we always are on bisexual brunch. Uh, Louis uh, slagged off the entire cycling population. There, there are <laughs> nice, there are nice cyclists. There are responsible cyclists out there, and we respect them, don't we, Lewis? <laughs> Maybe. I mean,
3: like where where are our buys in Lycra community? I do want to hear from them. If they're listening to the show and they're saying Lewis has represented us all wrong, then let us know. Or maybe can there's you a Bison Lycra like, crew that you can cycle with on the mo- on a morning. That'd be great.
2: Can you imagine if there are bisexual like cyclists listening to this right now as they're cycling, being like, the- Bi- <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah, can't turn cool. the podcast off because they're like going too quick. They're like, oh
0: my god, bicycle, bicycle, <laughs> yeah oh ash has
3: coined it ash has coined it
2: (laughs) but hey Um, i'm gonna give it a try i could come back in a few episodes time be like i take it all back like it's the pedestrians that are the problem they shouldn't jump out of the way
3: you need to get a little cam on your helmet that's what Jeremy Vine does, isn't it? He films all the cabbies that bash into him when he's cycling. Yeah, he's that's, right. London. that's right. Oh, but
2: yeah. I just don't want to even get involved in such pettiness. Like, I, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm putting this on YouTube. You you did, it's just, no. I'd rather just take the It's functional,
3: no exercise plus travel. I get it.
0: Well, let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about bisexuality, shall we? Um, and, yeah, sorry,
3: but, we're going back to Lewis's bid to be mayor or MP of something. <laughs> yeah, when he's like, "I'm banning all cyclists."
2: He's banning all cyclists. Well. He's turned very. I wouldn't author- ban. I, no cycle if you want, but if you break the
0: rules, your bike's gone. That's he's, it. T- he's turned very. Author- <laughs> he's well, turned very authoritarian in the last few weeks. Um, <laughs> co- coming up then on bisexual brunch, we've got some bisexual history courtesy of the National Archives. Uh, We're going back 90 years to hear Cyril's story, a young man writing to his friend in the early 1930s and alluding to his bisexuality. It's quite fascinating. Our personal story is from writer, actor, comedian, RNID ambassador and presenter of The Divorce Pod, Samantha Baines, who recently came out to everyone on social media as bi. It's quite an hilarious interview. Um, Please listen to that a little bit later on. And we'll also have our first proper Ask a Bisexual question, Towards the end of the show as well. Uh, but before all that, um, briefly, um, we've just had, of course, um, Bisexual Awareness Day and Week and Month. And I know that all three of us were running around trying to get as much coverage and interest as possible. We all succeeded. Uh, Lewis was in the Metro and on Gadio uh, with me one morning. Uh, Nikki was on. Um, talk Radio I was on Talk Radio We got a few more mentions in different places as well So we succeeded, we got some coverage But I don't know about you it was, it was still hard, wasn't it Nikki?
3: It felt like a bit of a damp squib this year I've got to say Every year that we've done it Obviously we haven't had the podcast going for a year But every year that we've had to go at getting coverage I feel like there's been a bit more enthusiasm And this year I felt people were kind of saying So what to Bisexual Awareness Week? And that got my back up because we obviously talk on the show about how much there's still to do, how many people still feel uncomfortable talking about it, how many people are still not out. Uh, and, but so it was a weird one because when I was talking to radio producers and teleproducers about it, they were just saying, oh, but all the bisexuals are out now, all the problems are solved. And I was like, oh. And then it's like, it's quite difficult to change their mind if they think everything's okay for you.
2: Totally. I This year with Bi-Visibility with Bi- Day, fair enough, like, you know, my life is a little bit different, and we have just come out of a pandemic, I get it, like, there, there, there are some circumstances going on, but I really felt burnt out by the end of it, like, I had spent, like, two weeks, like, pitching, so you're obviously kind of, like, pitching, right, you're kind of, like, saying to journalists, and to editors, and to features people, like, hey, like, you know, we want to talk about bisexuality, by visibility days coming up, or bisexual week, like, Um, you know, here are some things that I think are are going on at the moment, I'm happy to to write about or or be interviewed about and blah, 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 blah. And literally no one was getting back. So that was the first thing. Um, And then there were some people that obviously came back. So I did do an interview with um, Black Pride. I did the Metro thing. and I also like there was there was a thing that we were going to do with the Evening Standard, but unfortunately, in the end, that just didn't come off in time because even even that editorial team was just running at a delay. Um, and honestly, it was like the day before by visibility day, and it was like I'd done a load of edits on the Metro piece to the point where it wasn't even the article I originally wrote, and I was just like, I'm just exhausted, like I am actually exhausted. And then by visibility day happened, and all these articles came out, and I got to be honest, I didn't even read them. Like, I, and I worked on them for so long. I was just, I can't, I, I'm just exhausted by the whole thing now. Um, and I think it's like, if there's only a couple of us that are trying to do this, it, it's not easy. Like, if you're offering to write an article to five different people and go through, like, five different rounds of edits, we're, it's 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 a really hard process to make by Visibility Day, like, work. And it never used to be this way. I remember I get the, like, um, flashbacks on, like, social media. It's like, oh, five years ago today. And I was like, oh, my God. I had like 15 pieces of coverage back in 2016. Like we really got the message out. We really told everyone about bisexuality and what was going on. But it's just, I don't know why. It just felt like
0: such a hard slog this year. It was exhausting. I think the problem is as well that there's so much coverage at the moment of other things around LGBTQI and whatever. You know, the trans situation. There's a lot of mention of of non-binary all the time and things like that. That I think the mainstream media, who aren't necessarily cl- always clued up about the issues and things, uh, to be frank, are a bit confused about it all. And they don't quite get it, and they don't quite know how to shape it and how to, you know, uh, my uh, my friend who who did the interview with me for Talk Radio, um, although he's known me for a long time, and I think he vaguely knew I was bisexual. Um, it was all very new to all very very new to him. You know, there's still we still we still really are educating people to the fact that bisexuality still exists it's quite it's quite scary but whoever whoever's got non binary into the zeitgeist has done a massive job because you know a fantastic job because it's everywhere everybody seems to be running around now trying to make sure they get non binary represented somewhere um, so that's, uh, whoever's done that, it's, it, it's worked somewhere. The thing I, the thing that really gets me though, and this leads us on to what we're going to be talking about in a moment, is just there is so much negativity at the moment around various issues around LGBTQI, certain areas, uh, which we, we, I think listeners will know what we're talking about here. I don't really want to go into it, but, and it's quite depressing, really. It's quite depressing. And I hope that we as a podcast can, Find ways of being more positive and find ways of bringing people together a little bit more, um, because I don't think it's helping anybody really. Um, so we put out a an appeal on Twitter and various other places um, for this show for people who are bisexual around the world to talk about the positivities, the the the, the good things, the you know what's best about being, what's the best things about being bisexual. Because to be fair, if you listen back to most of the Programs we've made, at some point we'll be moaning about our representation. We'll be moaning about our lot somewhere along the lines. But um, we thought, let's ask people what they feel is positive about being bisexual, because at the end of the day, that's what we're about, isn't it? We want people to feel positive about being bisexual and to be able to accept themselves. And we've been inundated with. Um, with, with with responses from all around the world, um, I, I think the two of you saw the list I sent through to you earlier, and we're going to go through them and and, um, and 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 talk about them in a moment. If we if we take it in turns, uh, I'll do the first one. Nikki, you do, you do the second, and Lewis, if you can do the next one. Have you both got them in front of you? And then we can yeah. talk a little bit about them. Um, so the first one, the first ones we got was from. Ross in Los Angeles, who's a singer-songwriter. Ross, we might be back in touch with you at some point, because we did say at the beginning of the year we'd like to hear more from our creative bisexuals around the world, so we'd probably like to hear you on the show at some point. Uh, Ross says, I think being bisexual helps my creativity. I see possibilities and connections where others may not. Um, Now, this might be a subject later on in our Ask a bisexual, um question, if I remember rightly. I think it's roughly along those lines. But I certainly think there is something special about being bisexual which helps you creatively. Um, Nikki, who's next? So we've got
3: uh, Brian Nicole, who's an artist. Um, she doesn't say where she's from. But she says... She loves the hilarious realisations when watching beloved shows or movies where I loved the female character as a kid or teen and watching now, I go, ooh, that makes so much sense now. It's always hilarious to me. I can absolutely connect with that because I have so many epiphanies about, oh yeah, I was a little bit infatuated with that character.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Lewis.
2: So Spike Warden says, um, you can have both Little Nas X is
3: that right? Oh, my God, you don't know who Lil Nas X is.
2: You know that I don't
0: know celebrities.
3: Oh, my God. I'm going to have to give you a whole, whole he's a, tutorial. He's a gay, anyway, I don't, gay, I don't want to interrupt you.
0: He's a gay rapper, basically. Gay rapper. Who
3: dresses it as a cowboy in fluorescent pink. You're going to die. He's so amazing.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: from the top, Spike Warden um, has said You can have both Little Nas X and Eminem unapologetically on the same workout playlist Well, as someone that's going to the gym, maybe my playlist is going to get very bisexual <laughs> So that's exciting
0: And Spike is from Columbus in Ohio, so that was great to have that He indeed And then we've got uh, somebody who calls himself on Twitter a Haunting Howl uh, and she says, "I would say it's our understanding of other human beings," and I I agree with that to an extent. I think um, I mean I hate I hate this in a way because it makes it sound as though we're saying oh we're more be- we're better than gay people and straight people and they can't possibly think in this way. But I do think being bisexual does enable you just to sit back sometimes and think, you know, not everyone's the same. There are other possibilities, and the possibilities are endless in a way. You know what I mean? Nikki. Yeah,
3: I love that. So we've got Luke who says, when I was single, you never knew from what direction you would fall in love next. I love that. So it's all about the surprise. I mean, yeah, that's a beautiful thing.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Lewis.
2: Um, Stacey says, to quote my five-year-old cousin, you like girls and boys, so your heart is probably a lot bigger to fit all the people. (laughs) <laughs> I literally love how innocent oh, kids are and how so they gorgeous. just see the world.
0: That's sweet, isn't it? Very sweet. Robert Swinton from Lindhurst in Ohio. We seem to have a fair few people from Ohio getting in touch with. That's interesting. Um, I think the best thing is how many of us see the world. Although not the same, the general bioworld view seems to be much more loving, empathetic and inclusive. We've done work to discover who we are. And we know we are working for more than just ourselves. We've had to earn it. I think that, yeah, I think that's very true. Because you, you know, we're we're realizing things so much later. A lot of people are realizing things so much later in life. It's taken. It's, it's been a journey, hasn't it? I mean, I know gay people have a journey as well, but I think maybe the bisexual journey is a little bit, a little bit more complex, Nikki, isn't it? Yeah,
3: absolutely. I think that's really well put. And gets to kind of the crux of some of the things that we think and feel. So we've got another one here from Tony Johnson in New York. And Tony says, I like having the ability to see a nice looking butt while walking up the stairs and not worrying about the gender that belongs to. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I'm just so appreciative.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Um, Absolutely. Go on, Lewis. Lewis. I've got one from Sarah Brown from Leicester, England. Um, It sounds weird, but I think realising I'm bi has changed me a lot for the better in ways I would have always thought were unrelated to my attractions. I'm more confident, braver and prouder of all the reflection I've done. That is so true. I think when 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 you've had to really work on yourself... You really appreciate it. it; didn't just come easily and naturally, and you've really had to do some work. Um, yeah, enjoy absolutely. Your there's, a, there's
0: a second one from Sarah. This got her, obviously got her thinking, and she said, "It's being able to see the eroticism in such a broad variety of people, which is pleasurable in its own right, and the insights that that gives you on human beings."
3: Yeah, that's. I love that. It's very succinct. So we've got one from Mr. Tops. Are you were top mr tops i always one of these things miss top says you can enjoy all types of humor behavior hobbies sex etc sometimes you think well that's quite gay or that's quite butch but in the end it's you who's enjoying it all being playful with the binary yeah
2: Absolutely. definitely definitely couldn't definitely. agree more um, he sent a second one as well he's obviously thought about it a bit more And he's put, um, for me, it's how incredibly natural and right it feels for me now after I spent 44 years denying, hiding and ignoring it.
0: I mean, that's the big thing for me and has been more than anything in in this, um, in doing Bisexual Brunches, how many people have kept things secret for so many years and are only now coming out. And I I just wonder, I mean, it's positive that they're coming out and embracing their lives and weather, but I just look back and think to myself, all that missed opportunity, you know what I mean? I mean, they're going to make up for it, but, it, you know, it's, um, that's what I think is my, you know, if we're going to be slightly negative here, not negative, but sort of resentful, that's my problem with society. The society, you know, as as basically, um, you know, sort of put people in a position whereby they've not been able to be themselves for literally several decades of their lives, which I think is, you know, is is scary. Um, Ed in Barcelona. Now, Ed in Barcelona is actually the subject of um, bisexual personal story in a few weeks time. So you'll be hearing a bit more from him. He says, for me, without a doubt, it's the peace that comes from being true to oneself. And I agree with possibly not absolutely everyone, but he feels that being empathetic and non-judgmental about another person's perspective is a very by thing and i think that's something that we're sort of concluding aren't we since we started this that you know like we've always said we we have differences of opinion but we never really sort of fall out over it and i think that's interesting and it yeah i don't know whether i mean nobody's really done a study into that but i wonder if it is a by thing i mean what do you think lewis
2: I I really think there's something to this and I sometimes wonder is this why bisexuals get in trouble because we're not very tribal animals we're not very much like oh we stand against this blah blah we're very much like oh well on the one hand blah blah and oh but this but always I think hopefully falling on the right side in the end but we're not we're not kind of like a we won't debate you I think we're more kind of like oh why do you want to you know kill a load of people (laughs) yeah you know what I mean
3: I do. Tolerant, I hope, is the word people associate with us as individuals and maybe being biased part of that tolerance. I think that's a really nice thing to think about.
0: There's There's another one from Los Angeles, Nikki, you've got there, I think.
3: Yeah. So Ian says, the best thing about being bisexual is not being limited by sex or gender when it comes to love. Couldn't put it better myself. Very broad brush, but just a beautiful way to think about it. That gender just is not the defining factor of who you can fall for.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got one from Kate in Melbourne, Australia. My God, we're going all over the world today. Um, so Kate has put, The best thing about being bisexual is that I can potentially form connections with anyone. It's the possibility I deserve.
0: Yeah, you definitely deserve it. Absolutely. Of course you do. Of course you do. And then we've got um, Nick in Dundee. So back close to home for us. Um he says, "For me, I think it gives me broader perspective on life, love, and everything in between. I also think it's helped open my mind and see things from more than just my own perspective. It helps me make a, it helps make me a better person. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a theme here, isn't there? Emerging really, when you think about it. And I think we've got one more, Nikki.
3: We have. We've got Jade from Ontario, and Jade says." For me, it's how incredibly natural and right it feels for me now after I spent 44 years denying, hiding and ignoring it. Wow, what is it about this 44-year mark that people just decide have had enough? I love it. It's like a 44-year itch, but for bisexuality.
2: That's another study to do, is it? The <laughs> bisexuals have had enough at 44, they're, they're, they're out of the closet.
0: And, and, that, and again, you were saying we're going everywhere around the world. That's Ontario in Canada. So you know yeah. we're we're ticking the boxes of just about every continent at the moment, which is fantastic. So thank you to everybody who's been in touch. Um, I hope we haven't missed anybody, but we'll get you on another show. That's really impressive. We're really pleased that you're there, and we're fan- it's fantastic to welcome you into the bisexual brunch um, community. And hopefully, we might hear some of your own personal stories in 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 coming weeks and months. You know, please get in touch if you'd like to. You know, say say more to us. But I don't know about you. I really enjoyed that because. You know, we do often have a moan about everyone's lot and it's nice to think actually, you know, we're in we're actually in once we've got there, we're in a pretty decent position, aren't we?
3: I just love the fact that we can connect, we are connecting to people all around the world and they're all having that feeling of, you know what, it's not so bad to be by and this is why. And just you know, in life in general, it's very easy to be miserable about things and you know, life's difficult for everybody all the time. But if you can be more positive, it makes your life easier and it, like, it makes your connections with other people easier and people are more likely to approach you and embrace you. So I just love this positivity tangent that we're going on.
0: Absolutely. Well, as I say, you know, please keep them coming. Um, get in touch with us on email, on Twitter, wherever, and, and just let us know, you know, what you feel are the positives, uh, the best things about being bisexual now coming up a little bit later on we'll have our first proper ask a bisexual question but before that we've got a couple of features the first one is bisexual history courtesy of the national archives we're going back 90 years to hear cyril's story a young man writing to his friend in the early 1930s well vicky from the national archives will be telling us the full story in just a few moments
1: bisexual brunch is produced with love by mim and if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash brunch. Thank you.
0: So we're interested in the bisexual element, obviously, being bisexual brunch. Tell us about this, uh, the, this story that you uncovered in your archives.
5: At the National Archives, we hold um, a thousand years of history, all sorts of voices and experiences... And I was particularly amazed to come across a really personal record uh, written by an individual, Cyril, who's writing in 1934. And Cyril essentially is identifying as bisexual. In this record, Cyril says, I've only been queer since I came to London about two years ago. Before then, I knew nothing about it. As I told you, I am married and have a little girl of two years of age, and I still like girls occasionally. And so essentially, in this record, Cyril is describing his attraction to women and also men. And it's quite rare to get such an open and explicit reference to sexuality. At the time, Cyril's love of men would have been criminalised. Um, so it's it's really um, quite special to to read this open declaration of sexuality and a really explicit mention of bisexuality which I think gets hugely, hugely hidden in the archives. Um, so often in records, we get just one kind of insight into um, someone's life um, and particularly their sexuality, rather than someone's open description of how they identify. And it's interesting to note the, the language that Cyril uses as well. In his own words, he's identifying as queer and um, explicitly mentioning his attraction to more than one gender and Cyril, we know a little bit about, was quite a open character. He was attending a club called the Caravan Club, and that's where this record comes from. Cyril was essentially writing to his friend Billy, who owned uh, the Caravan Club at the time, and the Caravan Club was a club that attracted uh, LGBTQ patrons in the 1930s, and it was a relatively safe space for men to meet other men and for some women to meet other women. Um, and it clearly attracted um, bisexual individuals as well.
0: That's all really interesting. Um, does he actually mention the word bisexual at all?
5: Cyril doesn't use the word bisexual himself, but he does show his attraction to more than one gender. And he does use this kind of word queer, which feels like kind of his acceptable terminology for how he self-defined essentially. A lot of the words that we now use didn't exist historically, but the identities themselves did. So Cyril isn't explicitly using the word bisexual, but he is showing his attraction to men and women explicitly in the letter that survives. In the archives, we have a select number of essentially love letters between men, Um, And this is quite unique because it's one talking about sexuality, but actually it's to his friend Billy. And in some ways, this means that it's a more open letter. He describes that he's only been queer since he's come to London. There's an association with London allowing him to be quite open and to be himself. So it's a really insightful, interesting letter. And I think you get a depth from it um, that you might not get in an actual love letter where someone's kind of got a a motive to be attractive to the the person they're writing to. It's interesting to note the reasons we have the letter. It was found on a a follow-up raid following um, Cyril attending the Caravan Club. So the Caravan Club was uh, on Endell Street, just off Shaftesbury Avenue. Quite a makeshift location. It was only open for six weeks and then it was raided because men were having same-sex relationships with other men and Cyril was in the club that night ended up being arrested in the follow-up investigations um, the police seize this letter when they find Cyril and Billy staying on the Isle of Wight.
0: So have you have you come across other letters and correspondence in the past that have alluded to bisexuality?
5: In our collections we don't actually have many items that explicitly mention bisexuality but I think there's countless numbers of records that do relate to it. It's just rarely as explicit and and articulated in someone's own words as in this case. But we do have records relating to individuals who might not have used bisexual as a word themselves, who we might now consider to be. So we have records relating to people like Oscar Wilde. We have a lot around the Wilde trials. Oscar Wilde was married to to Constance, but had uh, relationships with multiple men. We also have records about people such as Freddie Mercury. We have actually the naturalization record uh, relating to him because he escaped Zanzibar uh, as a refugee. Um, So we have records relating to him. So there's lots of individuals that had relationships with men, women, and non-binary people
0: As you're probably aware, we struggle a lot with bi erasure in the world, so this history you're uncovering is really important. I mean, there are still people out there that think that bi people don't really exist.
5: I think what's really interesting is the archive, I think, shows essentially historical bi erasure. You know, it's something we absolutely are still discussing now, and rightly so. Um, But in the archive, we often only get snippets of people's sexual identity and relationships. Um, and so I think bi-relationships often remain really hidden in the archives. So I'm really keen to do more work to uncover bisexuality in the records um, and to reclaim people that have, have been forgotten in the past and whose full sexual identity hasn't necessarily been understood. So I think it's, it's really important to kind of do the work with archival material to uncover where people were bisexual so that we can kind of inspire people today because it's always nice to see yourself represented in history, I think.
0: Is there anything bi people listening around the world can do to help you?
5: To anyone listening, I'd love to know more people that you might have come across um, historically that you think might have been bisexual or you know were bisexual, so we can add this extra layer of information to our archive material to ensure that people are visible in the records and that we capture the full spectrum of sexuality please do feel free to get in contact. That's how we kind of start to do this work to enhance the archive to make sure lives are fully represented. And if anyone's interested, there's there's lots of blogs and things on our website around LGBTQ history. You might be interested to learn more through some of those about what we hold in our collections. How should they contact you? Either through our general national archives um, email address um, and put my name, Vicky Glikowski Broad, or through Twitter. I'm Vicky underscore Ig. Anything that helps champion bisexual history in archives is really important.
0: Excellent. Thanks for chatting to us, Vicky. Make sure you tune in to Bisexual Brunch and tell people about us.
5: Fabulous. Thank you so much. And good luck with everything you're doing.
0: Vicky there from the National Archives in London. A fascinating interview. Now, after the break, it's our big bisexual personal journey story for this time. And we're being joined by comedian, actor, RNID ambassador, children's writer and podcaster, phew, (laughs) the one and only Samantha Baines, who's only recently come out as bisexual. That's next as Bisexual Brunch continues.
5: You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch podcast. Do you
2: want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup. And that caught on, yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think.
1: It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy and thinking that that's going to be OK. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband. And as a new version of the story comes back to the stage in Birmingham, why not remind yourself of the movie classic with Distinct Nostalgia's special trilogy of star interviews?
2: Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life.
1: But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him. And I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, ''I can't believe you've made this film.'' It's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nicol, and Chris Bisson. It was a great script and it was a timely
5: thing to tell because it hadn't been told before.
1: They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. This series of special interviews is available now at
0: distinctnostalgia.com. Yes, and those interviews with those Easters East stars are definitely well worth a listen. Go and search out Distinct Nostalgia when you can. Uh, you'll also find loads of LGBT-themed interviews with stars of TV and film, including Morris, Queer as Folk, My Beautiful Laundrette and The Crying Game, to name but a few. But back to Bisexual Brunch now, and it's time for our bisexual personal journey story with Samantha Baines. <laughs>
5: You're listening to Bisexual Brunch.
0: First of all, Samantha, why don't you just start by introducing yourself and saying who you are? And that gives you an opportunity as well to mention your own podcast.
4: I am Samantha Baines, comedian, actress, broadcaster, writer. I have uh, two children's books out. Uh, one is called Harriet versus the Galaxy, which has a deaf protagonist because I myself have a hearing aid and I'm ambassador for RNID and I host a podcast called The Divorce Club because I'm also divorced, sexy, um, where I talk to other divorced people about their experiences and yeah, as an actress I've been on bits and bobs on the telly like The Crown and Call the Midwife and um, I'm a yeah writer as well. And I do Bits and Bobs on BBC Radio.
0: So, I mean, after all of that, I mean, it's exhausting. (laughs) How do you manage?
4: (laughs) Well, I I like to keep busy. I think, you know, nowadays, especially in the creative uh, world, you can never really get away with doing one thing anymore. So um, I like to do lots of things. And I'm also a dairy intolerant tea drinker and a knitting enthusiast and obviously bisexual
0: we want to come to that in a moment but um but before we do just to react to what you just said there about keeping yourself busy yeah you're absolutely right in the in the creative sector you have to be you actually have to be your own creative entrepreneur don't you really to keep moving otherwise you don't really that's the thing it's sort of it's the way it is it's changing all the time isn't you you've got to keep up to date with everything and you know in reinventing yourself and you know I've been running a production company for 16 years and we're constantly constantly reinventing yourself because you're only as good as the last thing you did half the time you know so you, you know you've got to be cut one step ahead haven't you in that sense you know.
4: Yeah and I also think everything I do just feeds into each other so it's all just like a creative mixed bag um, and I just try and pull different things out of it and see what works and see what I enjoy doing.
0: Now, you just mentioned there, right at the end, uh, you said you're bisexual. But the reason I got in touch with you to talk to us about being bisexual was that it isn't just a case of just being bisexual. You actually came out and told the whole world you were bisexual in quite a big way on on um, social media recently, didn't you?
4: Yeah, so I didn't really intend it to be a big way. (laughs) It's sort of, I guess I thought it would mean more for me than anyone else. I thought people might just like like it and then scroll past. But I think because I'd been married to a man for so long and then I'd set up the Divorce Club, my podcast, and I was talking about divorce and, you know, the dating world and, and finding yourself after that experience you know, this, this kind of dating men and women thing kept coming up. And I'd always say it like that, like, oh, yeah, I date men and women. And I I think I was scared of using the term bisexual for a long time. And then I thought, I just had a realisation, you know, we've been at home for two years, essentially, <laughs> I watched May, May Martin's amazing series, Feel Good, um, while I was thinking about all of this. And I just thought, I am bisexual, I don't have to prove, I felt like I had to prove it, like I had to have loads of long-term relationships with women to make up for the fact that I was married to a man for so long and I just had this moment where I said out loud to myself, I am bisexual and it just felt really nice and I thought, okay, I think I'm ready to like say this publicly and as I said, I didn't think anyone would care but it it was more for me of like I want to say it out loud publicly and not just alone in my bedroom. So yeah I just I did a tweet I created a nice little picture that said bisexual in big letters over my head so I couldn't escape my announcement Um, and I shared it on um, Instagram and Twitter And it kind of, yeah, went a bit viral, um, which I did not expect at all. I mean, a lot of people replied and were like, who cares? Who is she? I don't even watch Call the Midwife or whatever. Um, But the majority of people were just overwhelmingly lovely and supportive and started sharing their stories with me or saying that they had a similar thing that they always say that they're interested in men and women but they've never sort of said officially I am bisexual so actually just became this like lovely conversation starter I guess
0: and has it been quite liberating the fact that you came out and you said that you said it there I mean I've been through it myself as well but you actually said it and you were you know have you Do you feel quite liberated having done that
4: yeah, I think when I was so scared before, which is so ridiculous, and, and, and a lot of people didn't expect it from me as well, because I, you know, I have a background in stand-up comedy. I'm an oversharer. I have a podcast about, you know, my breakup and recovery from divorce. So it's not like I'm shying away from sharing my experiences with the world. But for some reason, this, I, I think it's because it's been sort of in me for a while and I've only really recently kind of confirmed it for myself so I did actually feel very scared to um put it out there in the world but now I'm so glad I did I the panic before I clicked send I kept the picture that I'd made with bisexual in writing over my head on my phone for like I created it at the beginning of pride month And I didn't post it until literally the very end. So I had it on my phone for a month, kind of working up to it. But I'm so, yeah, I feel so relieved and kind of, well, initially I felt really relieved and like euphoric. And now I feel a bit like, oh God, I have to live up to it, like. I have to all of a sudden like I snogged a man the other day I was like oh my god I've got to snog a woman now quickly or like someone who identifies as a woman you know to balance it out so yeah I'm still dealing with what that means having said it out loud but it did feel amazing to say out loud
0: We talk about this all the time on Bisexual Brunch, you know, the invisibility of bisexuality, the erasure often in the media, uh, the fact that a lot of people just cannot get their heads around it. Do you think a lot of that has shaped the way in which you've eventually come out, but it's taken you a long time to actually say it and say it out loud? Because there isn't anybody out there, is there? There are very few role models very few people will talk about it. If you mention it, I don't know what you find, but if you mention it to people about yourself or about other people, you might say, "Oh, they might be bisexual." I find people just either look at me blank, or they're very a very confused, or they just think, in certain circumstances, that it's just a bit of a laugh. It's something. To, it's like it's not serious. Do you know what I mean? Do you do you, do you ever? You know, has that been part of? The reason why it's maybe taking you—I know, obviously, you were in a relationship as well and all that kind of thing—but is that part of it? Do you think that you know the the, the difficulties of being able to come out um, and taking so long?
4: Well, it's weird because I—I I guess I never saw saying I was bisexual as coming out because it didn't feel like properly queer. Like I didn't feel like queer enough to. Um, kind of be in the community and i felt like people would treat me as this straight girl who's like had a little foray into um you know also being with women or people who identify yeah, a bit as women. of an
0: imposter yeah, that yeah, coming, yeah and
4: i i definitely felt and i still feel that a bit now like i feel like this need to kind of prove it to people. But how do you do that? I can't just walk around like with a woman and a man constantly and just snog each one just to like be like, no, I am. I do fancy, uh, you know, all genders. Um, So, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I don't, I think within myself, because bisexuality, there isn't really that representation out there. I think, I guess I thought when I started to fancy women that I must be gay, but then I was still, I still fancied men. So for a long time, it was more confusing for me. And, and, and also a lot of people and actually some friends in the gay and queer community said to me when I had my first actual relationship with a woman, said to me, oh, you're not bisexual, when I was actually, you know, with a woman Um, and they were like, no, 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 this is just a thing that you're doing. You're not bisexual. And and that kind of, I don't know why, I don't really listen to what other people say on many other things, but I guess because they were in the gay community, I thought, well, if, if anyone knows, surely they'd know. And they're telling me I'm not, so I can't, I can't be, I must just fancy this one woman and then just all, or only men otherwise Um, so yeah it was a lot of other people's I guess I was searching as well because I was so confused I was searching for validation amongst my friends or people I knew um, because I wasn't sure of the answer myself so I think that that played into it. I didn't didn't feel straight enough to be straight, but I can pass for straight because anyone can pass for straight because that's what people assume automatically, that everyone is. Um, And I didn't feel gay enough to be bisexual or in the community. So I think for a long time, I was just confused.
0: Yeah, I mean, sadly, there is a lot of quite a bit of prejudice, actually, within the LGBT world sometimes towards... Bisexuals, you know, I'm I'm bisexual. I'm in a gay-facing relationship. Um, I've not had a relationship with a woman for a long time, uh, and so to most of my gay male friends in particular, it's like, well, you can't be bisexual. How can you be bisexual because you've not had blah 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 blah? But it's not about that, you know. That's trying to get people's head around that is really quite hard, you know. When did you? When do you think you? Re, looking back now, when do you think you realized you were? attracted to different genders?
4: I think sort of from a fairly young age, like I think from teenager really, I think I had a lot of very close female relationships and a lot of very close male relationships. And for a long time, I sort of, I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a boyfriend when I was super young growing up. I sort of had lots of kind of trysts you know snog at the disco but you know all my friends were like boyfriend after boyfriend and I wasn't and I remember at the time thinking there's something wrong with me you know um, and that boys didn't fancy me but I think part of it was that I didn't fancy um, all of those boys and maybe I fancied some of the girls too um, and and I remember, I remember having conversations with female friends about being gay and and I feel I feel like I was very privileged to be in quite an, an open group of friends and peers, and at school that there were people coming out and you know, well, from what I saw, getting support um, when they did so, and not you know facing well too much prejudice that I could see in my you so among my peer group. And I remember having conversations and saying you know, do you think you might be gay? Like, do you think you might fancy girls? And I definitely knew that I wasn't a lesbian, that I definitely fancied men. But I was always playing with this idea of, you know, do I just want to be that woman? And think she's amazing or do I want to have sex with her? And the answer is majority of the time have sex with her.
0: I mean it's quite interesting actually Um, as we do more and more of these personal interviews with people talking about their bisexual journeys uh, all of which are completely different which is really it's really interesting. Um, There are quite a lot of people particularly on the male side that I've spoken to where it tends to be that they feel... A lot of them... I mean, this is obviously... This is not scientific. It's just the ones we've spoken to. A lot of them have felt... Um, this is different to me, actually. But a lot of them, ones we've spoken to, have felt emotionally attached to women. And they're happy to have a relationship with a woman. Want a relationship with a woman. But they've got this sexual urge for having relations occasionally for men. Do you know what I mean? So it's a it's a mixture, isn't it, of, of, of different things. People, you know... the the emotion people forget this that sex is also about emotion that's you know sexuality is all about emotion as well and i think the problem is that society as a whole i mean let's face it the society as a whole get has a problem getting beyond any kind of binary anyway it can only understand binaries so when you add that into the mix as well it confuses people even more um as a woman. Who is obviously pretty aware of what's going on as a comedian, whatever you know. What you know, you know the, what the world's like. There is a there is a particular perception, isn't there, of bisexual women? Sadly, in the sense that it's often sexualized. You know the whole thing about men, straight men liking the idea of two women together and all that kind of thing. Um, it makes it easier, and in some respects, for people to accept that bisexuality exists. Um, amongst women more than it does with men because men don't seem to get that same, same kind of thing but it also means that people don't sometimes take it seriously do they it's as though it's, it's it's like a sort of you know a bit of a game really you know do you know where I'm coming from
4: yeah definitely and I think it's interesting what you said about emotional connections because I feel like I had a lot of strong emotional connections to men and women but then it wasn't until, and and sexual urges towards men, but then when I finally had sex with a woman, it like opened up this whole new world and now I have sexual urges just all all the time for all genders, you know, non-binary people included. So I love the sex. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of people view or can view bisexuality in women is like like a cute fun thing and like oh that means you're up for a threesome and like it doesn't mean that like I might be depending on the circumstances but it doesn't automatically mean that and and I think especially from straight men that's the go-to of like oh so I can have a threesome with you and another woman and you'd love it um and also I think from some straight men seem to, hashtag not all straight men, um, seem to, to view it as the kind of, th- yeah, sexualized thing, almost for their pleasure, um, rather than, you know, my decision of, of who I'd like to be with. And obviously, if you come out as bisexual, it's not just that you want to have sex with you know all the genders it's that you want to have relationships hopefully you know and and it's more than than just a kind of one night stand threesome scenario obviously as we know but I think a lot of a lot of people who haven't been exposed to the bisexual conversation and nor, who are normally straight in my experience can view it like that and I mean I'm actually very lucky A good friend of mine is bisexual and has you know always sort of talked to me about that situation and she's a comedian too and she talks about it on stage her name's Catherine Bohart and she has a great joke where she says that I don't want to like retell her joke really badly but she says that um, she tells women and men that she's gay because um, women know she's available and men try harder And that's a Catherine Bohart joke, not my joke. But um, I think it's brilliant because it's funny and it's so true because, yeah, it's just, it's it's a really interesting world that I'm coming into. And also being on dating apps to meet other women. There is a prejudice in the LGBTQI plus world of, from some lesbians against bisexual women and they won't match with me or they'll unmatch with me when they discover that I'm bisexual and not just gay. Um, and I just think that's, that's very sad. Um, and that wasn't something I was super aware of until I started more openly, obviously, dating women.
0: With uh, men, it it, it tends to be... um, There are quite a lot of gay men who are very suspicious of the whole idea of anybody being bisexual. Um, I think a lot of them are uh, sometimes turned on by the prospect of having sex with another man who happens to have had sex with women, and so, in other words, they've got this thing of wanting to turn them gay or whatever. Um, So they're quite excited by that sometimes. But when it comes to the crunch of a relationship... Um... They just find that whole thing of trust being an issue, which is one of the biggest problems, I think, for the perception of bisexuality. For some reason, just because I think often because the word "sex" is in the middle of it is part of the reason. But but just the the concept that people have got in their head that you can't make your mind up and you've you know you've got you wanting to literally go out and have orgies all the time and chance to be behind thing. You know what I mean? It's not you. That's not the reality, is it? You know what I mean? But did you did you ever mention anything or hint anything to your straight partners about your straight male partners about you possibly being interested in women
4: um yeah i told my ex husband when we were together that i fancied women too um and was quite open about that and obviously we didn't have an open relationship so there wasn't much i could do about that but i was kind of yeah open with him about it um i don't think i've of the straight men I've told, they just seem to think it's exciting sexually. Um, and then of the of the women I've been with, they normally see me as the straight girl that they've turned. And I'm like, I'm not though. <laughs> like, but it feels hard to break it to them because see, I, I, there's definitely seems to be like a group of women who fancy women who like want to fancy or maybe they don't want to, but they do fancy straight women. And then they like sort of that idea of bringing them over to the other side. And so I have been with a couple of women like that. And it's sort of, I felt like I was letting one of them down when I said to her, no, no, I'm bisexual. Like I like men and women um, and non-binary people. Um, So yeah, it's, it's so, I mean, I'd be interested to hear from from you because it's it's still, I feel like I've just waded into this world. Now I've said it publicly, I've just waded into this, like, not a whole new world, but fairly new to me. And there's so many politics that I like wasn't aware of. And um, yeah, it's, um, so far I've found the community really really welcoming and lovely and a lot of people have you know when I said on social media I'm bisexual a lot of people have replied to me and put me too but I've never really said it out loud and it's a lot of women that have been maybe in high profile straight relationships before like a relationship a lot of women who've been in a relationship with a man before maybe quite publicly maybe they were married and then you come out of that and you kind of look at your identity. I think it's whenever something really big happens to you, like my dad died just before I got divorced as well. So it's like double whammy of big life events. But it really makes you kind of reevaluate. And I get, I always knew I was attracted to women, but I guess it really made me think this is part of me and I don't want to kind of push it down into a corner anymore and and I think it's really interesting that a lot of these people who've then come out to me in, in you know, my DMs are people of a similar age to me, are in their 30s and have sort of lived a life being straight, in inverted commas, um, because that's what everyone assumes. And then it does feel that, like this kind of rebirth, um, which is why I did, you know, the social media of being like, I am not straight. I want everyone to know. You might not care, but I want to tell you because it feels important to me. Um so yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm not quite in the community yet, but I don't know. I don't know why.
0: Well, I don't think there is a community. I mean, yeah, there's an LGBT community, I suppose and to an extent, but you can't just shove them all together, really. To be honest, I mean, they're all very different, and even people yeah. who are gay and lesbian are all very different, you know. And there are a lot of people who, well, my partner, you know, has never felt particularly, you know, is gay, never felt a particular affinity with the LGBT world. People, some people don't, you know, they don't find find it comfortable and don't really like it. Um, and I think there are a lot of bisexual people who just don't feel as though. Um, like you're saying you know you you feel as though you're a bit of an imposter to sort of join in because you think well I'm not going to be part of it for all the time and you know I mean, that kind of thing I need to understand it and understand the codes and all that kind of thing Um, so it it is strange but it's like um, I just think there are so many of us who are in um, either gay facing or straight facing relationships who I mean I've come to terms with it's fine my partner's okay and all the rest of it but you know, I think, I think it's the tip of the iceberg. I think there are so many people out there who are in these relationships, and you're talking about being in your 30s. Imagine somebody who's in their 50s, 60s, 70s, who's spent an entire lifetime, not even, not, you know, they might not want to go and do anything about it, but just not being able to communicate it and say, actually, you know what, I I fancy men and women are all genders or whatever, you know, it's quite, what's, it's quite nice in one sense. You think, bloody hell, actually, the, you know, we, we, bisexuals might dominate one day. <laughs> but, but, it's not, but, but you think to yourself, that, what about the mental health implications that's had on people? I mean, do you think having this in you for a long time and not being able to let, necessarily bring, bring it out and talk about it and be completely open about it, and obviously I know you do lots of things and you're very great communicator and all the rest of it, but do you think it's had an effect on you mentally over the years as well?
4: Yeah I do think it has had an effect mentally and I think I think it's interesting what you said about obviously I said community and there are so many different parts of the LGBTQIA plus community but I think because I work in the arts you know I my peers are a lot of people who are gay or trans or bisexual or well not so many who are bisexual but you know in the community and so I've always kind of worked with wonderful people but not felt like I was quite in their club and and I guess I I didn't expect to be welcomed in open arms into any clubs I created my own divorce club, because I love being a club member. Um, But I guess I I am sort of a bit like, oh, where do I sit Um, at the moment? But I think, I think the the main thing is, is the relief of saying it out loud. And, and yeah, like you said, if, if my marriage to a man had gone well, I might not have been coming out until my 50s, 60s, um, or ever. And, I think bisexuals could dominate. I think there's a lot of, you know, under the radar. Should we call them under the radar bisexuals? It sounds like we're just waiting and then one day we're going to sneak up on all the world and take over. Um
0: and there are degree, the varying degrees of people as well. Like I've just said about, you know, there's some people who are emotionally attached, some people who are sexually attached. Some people, you know, sexuality changes sometimes. There might be a period when they're all into men and another time they're all into women. You know, it, it, I don't know. It, it, yeah, it could get very complicated, couldn't it?
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think the thing that I didn't realise is that I'm allowed to say I'm bisexual, even if I hadn't, you know got with, had sex with, had a sexual interaction with all genders. So I could be married to a man and never have even have kissed a woman and still say I'm bisexual, and I sort of didn't know that I was allowed, I don't know who gives you permission to do that, hopefully it's not Boris Johnson, (laughs) because, oh god, but you know, I, I feel like I wasn't allowed to do that, so it was only when I became single, and then, you know, my first relationship with a woman, it wasn't something I was like searching for, it just happened, um, you know, because I had that in me for so long, I guess, and, and I was yearning for it. Um, and then I still, even after my first relationship with a woman, I still felt like, oh, I, I'm bisexual, but I don't think I'm allowed to say it yet. Like, I don't know what the ratio is that you have to achieve. Um, but I, I definitely hit a threshold talking about mental health with my mental health, more than, um, you know, relationship conquests. And, um, and and I think it was me thinking what makes me happy. And, you know, in the turmoil of the last couple of years, I think a lot of people have been doing that because we've just had time to think about emotions. And I've always had anxiety and I, I take anxiety medication for that. And so lots of time at home thinking about what makes me happy, reevaluating myself. Now I'm a single divorced person. And I think for me, I had to come out because it was it was eating away at me, and it was definitely adding to my anxiety and making me feel making me feel sad. And part of that is not anyone else was just because I was ignoring a bit of me that I wouldn't accept. and And the only thing I can liken it to in my own experience is when I was diagnosed with hearing loss um it was a complete shock to me at the time and um, and i was told i needed a hearing aid because i had two forms of tinnitus um and so i just went for a checkup and i was told i needed a hearing aid completely out of the blue and then all of a sudden i felt like that changed my identity because i was like well who am i i i thought i knew who i was and now i'm this person with a hearing aid and and you know becoming part of the deaf community and what does that mean for me and that's been one of the most amazing um things that I've done is been open about my hearing loss and become an ambassador for RNID and start communications with other people with hearing loss and hearing aids and I've written children's books about it and that's and actually so many wonderful things have come from accepting that bit of me which I can't change you know and and then and only now that I have come out can I draw the parallel and be like oh I've accepted now another bit of me and so it's like all the pieces are slowly going into the Sam accepts herself pile not all of them yet still not accepting my thighs just now but like slowly you know and and I think that just makes you happier when you can and you know you don't have to shout it out loud like I did on social media but you just have to accept it for yourself and and honestly just sounds so silly but that moment of me saying out loud to myself in my bedroom I am bisexual just made me grin from ear to ear and it was like a weight had been lifted off and I just felt nice and whole and happy and so I think absolutely. Um, it can massively impact on your mental health.
0: It's quite sad, actually. If you look at some of the bisexual forums and things, there's often conversations going on which people are having frustrating chats to their, you know, to their families about bisexuality or to friends and whatever. And, you know, one girl I noticed recently, she was, you know, she was a girl, she was in late teens kind of thing, and she was saying, I've given up now saying I'm bisexual because it's just easier to say I'm gay. It's just easier to get through things by saying I'm gay. And I think that's really sad that people feel like that, you know what I mean? You would think in this supposedly enlightened world that we could get our head round bisexuality, but it seems that, that bi- we're, stuck, we're stuck with this binary thing where people can't understand the nuances of life. Uh, speaking of which, there obviously are nuances in terms when it when it comes to Dating men and women, and flirting with men and women, and all the rest of it, and you're in that situation now where you've been, you've done some of one, and now it's trying to do some more of another. It is a challenge, isn't it? It is, it is different. Tell us what you've encountered.
4: Well, I definitely wouldn't say that I should give advice in any way <laughs> to anyone because I'm still um, sort of learning, I guess, because the women I've been with previously have been through you know people I've met in real life so I've never oh no I have actually that's a lie I have been on dates from dating apps with women but it's definitely a very different dating app experience to dating app experiences with men and and obviously I, I have to say I am talking a lot about men and women and I totally recognise that there are other genders that people identify as, and I just fancy the people. But I I struggle with the term pansexual, um, so I'm very happy to say bisexual, and for me that means everyone. Um, but yeah, dating I don't know dating apps. Well, there are a lot of dating apps that you can be on and select men and women, but I feel like there aren't there aren't normally as many women that come up on there for me so um I don't know tinder is the place that if you just want to have sex with a man that you you can do that quite straightforward and it's very much like hello how are you I want to sit on your face like that that'll be the reply that you get um or I want you to sit on my face depending on their preference um so that's that's quite extreme I've never yet had that from a woman like that initial like sex straight up the top. Um, for A lot of men on dating apps seem to give you like a list of like, I just feel like some people have got so stressed with the dating app experience that they've now just created like a stock like list message, which is like, I don't want this, this, this. I want this, this, this. Like one guy once sent me a list of like, I'm into breath play, like a whole list and I'd literally been like, hello, how are you? And he'd been like, good, and then sent a list. And I was like, I mean, great for being open and upfront, but like maybe we could have like found out each other's favourite colour. That's the level of my banter on dating apps um, before I get the list. Um, whereas I feel like talking to women on dating apps is very like, it sort of, it feels less flirty, Because, but maybe that's just because there's less sexual content um, than what I'm used to. So it's nice and there's great chats, but there's less like, oh, just a little sex reference thrown in for fun. Um, Although dates are, are, I think dates more depend on the person. And um, I've been on dates with very flirty, sexually... um, well sexual references scattered throughout with women and men um and also the opposite of just very like friend zone i guess like as soon as we arrive um so yeah it's um it's it's definitely an interesting one i definitely feel like i don't want to say it but a lot of the stereotypes of women dating women do seem to be true of that if you go on a good date and, it, and you have a snog at the end and it goes well, you go on the next date within three days and then it's like bang, 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 go. Whereas dating men is if like, if the date goes well, then in a week's time you'll meet up again and then you'll meet up a week later. And so it seems like much sort of a, unless it's just a sex thing, it seems like a much sort of slower process with a man than it does with a woman. Um, and that's that's inter-
0: that's interesting because I would suspect knowing men <laughs> quite well being a man I would suspect that actually quite a lot of men would love to speed things up a bit really in a lot of situations
4: Well I'm I'm a very impulsive person so I'm like let's go I mean obviously it's different if you like sleep together on the first date, and then you just have a debauched weekend in your bedroom like that speeds things up quite quickly but generally from dating I found it's sort of a once a week thing whereas with women it's like if we like each other what are you doing tomorrow um and it feels I want to I was gonna say less gameplay but that's not true but in the respect of I won't text you back. I won't ask you if you're free. It feels less gameplay with women that I've dated. But then, you know, I I would need to make date much more um, to uh, do a proper survey with graphs and all. Um, but that's what I found so far.
0: Now, you've obviously come out publicly. You're, you're, you're in the public eye like we are. Um, You know, most people know, you know, those of us who present Bisexual Brunch, uh, Nikki, Lewis and I have been around the media for quite a long time. We're, We're all openly bisexual. Having said that, because bisexuality isn't this big thing that everyone knows about and understands and talks about, you're constantly having to come out... So in every single one of those dates that you're having or whatever you you're going to have to at some point unless you've already dealt with it on online or whatever you're going to have to at some point reveal the fact that you're bisexual that get that can get quite frustrating and tiring and having to answer the same old myths mythical you know questions about you know people just don't get it they don't understand it i mean some people are very nice about it but others just really don't get it wouldn't it be great if we had a few more Specifically, Bisexual things out there Some bisexual dating sites For heaven's sake A bisexual bar or two Here and there So that people know the, the, They know the parameters You know I mean I don't know about you But I can still only Even though You know I'm, I'm in this world And we got a, an award the other day Or not an award But a, a thing mentioned In the pride power list Or whatever it is I can still only count On one hand The amount of People that I genuinely know That I could go And physically go and meet Who are bisexual there's very few people I can tell you in my life who are bisexual. And there's probably loads of them, but I just don't know them publicly. Do you know what I mean? Wouldn't it be nice to be in that situation where we don't have to explain all of those things and people just know it and they understand?
4: Yeah, I do, I, I've put it in my Twitter and Instagram bio. It just says bye. So... Um, b-i not bye bye see ya no please stay and follow me and like all my posts um but hopefully that helps um but yeah I actually don't tell men on dates but I do I normally tell women that if so if I'm if I'm meeting a woman from a dating app I will tell her on the app chat that I'm bisexual because I know that some women who date other women have problems with or don't like to date bisexual women. So I'd rather um, them be disappointed on an app than to my face because I'm scared (laughs) of that reaction. Um, And yeah, I, I wouldn't really tell a man unless it came up because... So far when I've told men, it's just, oh, who should we have a threesome with? I'm like, oh, dear. But actually, I think, I don't know if it's because it's like a new thing for me, but I quite enjoy at the moment just like shocking people with it. So like if people say um, something about, you know, oh, let's go find some hot men and I'll say, all women I'm bisexual and then they sort of didn't know and then are a bit surprised but they're trying to be cool about it and so I'm actually really enjoying causing that reaction currently um I did it to someone I know recently and they were so nice but um yeah I I am I'm sort of enjoying it as a like yeah something you didn't know about me take that in um also I'm just like please set me up with you know, nice friends of yours, so I don't have to endlessly swipe on dating apps. Um, and I I wanted to mention, because some uh, you said earlier that people always view the kind of cheating thing or the dishonesty thing, because they think, oh my God, well, they might cheat on me with a man or a woman. I mean, on the surface of it, yes, but the amount of like men there are in the world and the proportion of those men that I actually fancy and then the amount of women there are in the world or all other genders and the proportion of them i actually fancy means that no it's there's not because people are always like oh more options you're like yeah or am i just super picky with every gender like um and that's the that's the thing that i really don't get because i'm like it, there's not really more options though because <laughs> there's just the same amount of, i feel like
0: yeah i agree and it's it's the same with the sex thing isn't it you know it's like you know people for some reason think that bisexual people must be much more sexual and up for more things on a regular basis and all the rest of it but there are plenty of gay people having orgies and plenty of straight people having wife swaps and this that and the other and god knows what you know there's lots going on all the time so to think that we're the only ones who are you know wanting to be promiscuous is ridiculous when actually a lot of people who are bisexual aren't promiscuous at all not that there's anything wrong in either Way of living, you know what I mean. I hate this thing that where you sort of, you know, a lot of the time there's bisexual, you have to keep saying, but most bisexuals are monogamous, but you know, if they don't want to be, they don't have to be, you know what I mean. I don't think we should have this sort of law that, you know, that's the only way kind of thing. And on the cheating thing, you know, isn't there some statistic that says well over 50% of people at some point in their lives have cheated on their partners? And a lot of that to me is just down to the communication, people not being able to communicate the fact that actually people do have other desires and needs sometimes it doesn't mean to say it's going to change the relationship if they're open about it and do it properly you know what I mean but it's people can't we, we, we we're so far away from being you know we're still quite we're still quite old-fashioned in our own way aren't we really in a way in, in terms of society we've not quite got there yet have we in terms of being able to accept things there's still plenty of taboos and I think bisexuality is sadly still one of them isn't it in a way
4: I feel like I'm, like, the taboo master. I'm, like, divorced, I've got a hearing aid, and I'm bisexual. Um, But, yeah, I think it's so interesting. It's, like, if you're not going to cheat, you're not going to cheat. It doesn't... it doesn't the person's gender doesn't come into it it's not like a man would come up to me and be like do you want to have sex And I'd be like no and then a woman would come up to me and be like do you want to have sex and then another woman I'm like yeah all right just because I've been asked more times like if I'm gonna say no I'm gonna say no if I'm gonna say yes I'm gonna say yes yeah it's a weird one
0: yeah, no, absolutely. So how do you feel now? Obviously, it's been a bit of a whirlwind you know, coming out online and whatever. And, and, and how I was asked you... to
4: write an article for The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Didn't expect it, but I did. Thought work from the inside out. Representation.
0: What's special about having done that? How do you... Has it made you feel really good? How do you feel about being bisexual? What's good about it? What's nice about having revealed it all, as it were?
4: It's nice that... I've revealed it so I don't have to like worry about it. Anymore. I mean, obviously I still do a little bit because I have anxiety. And I said I snogged a man the other day and now I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I have to snog a woman because I've just come out as bisexual and I need to like, I don't know, live up to what I've come out as. But I'm glad that there isn't this turmoil inside of me of like, am I? I think I am, but what if I change my mind? Or what if I say it out loud and then everyone hates me? Or, you know, there isn't that anymore because I've done it now. I've taken the leap. Um, And it's also nice because I've done the thing that was scary, which for me was saying it publicly on a forum that lots of people will see that I can't sort of like delete quickly and hide. Like it's out there now. And I've even written an article and the headline is coming out in your 30s and a picture of my face. So I'm just, I'm glad I can't take it back. I just feel so relieved and... Um, and I just feel very me which is very nice I feel like oh everyone knows now and like because I've broken it to the world uh, a lot of which didn't want to know but now they know Um, I feel like breaking it to people individually is just so much easier because it's like a fraction of that now Um, but yeah I feel very content and happy with it and you know and also, the realization that yeah, I've come out as bisexual. I might never have another relationship with a woman. I might never have another relationship with a man. It doesn't matter. You know, this is this is just me, and yeah, it's exciting.
0: What I find quite frustrating as somebody who works in the media and has to come up with ideas all the time, and you know, um, I've often I've made quite a lot of programs around LGBT issues and things like that, is that. The media world generally doesn't... They think, overall, they think it's all been done. They think the LGBT thing's been done. Now we need to move on to other things. And they don't realise that there are so many different aspects of all of this little world um, they don't know about. And bisexuality, obviously, is one of them. You know, I think there's a lot of people who will interpret you coming out as bisexual. There'll be people reading that article in the Telegraph thinking, oh... Give it another couple of years, and she'll be saying she's gay. Do you know what I mean? It's she's, she's just a journey. All these kind of things. Do you know what I mean? I still don't think people understand the general concept of it, which I think is quite scary, really, because you know it, it means there are a lot of people out there who do literally think they're sat at home thinking, maybe I am on a journey, maybe I am really gay or whatever. You know, and there are lots of men and women actually, but a lot of men who come out. Much later in life, you know, they've been they've been married for twenty, thirty years, and they suddenly burst out of the closet, and everyone thinks that they're one hundred percent gay because they've burst out of the closet because they've got a relationship with a man suddenly. A bit like Oscar Wilde in a way, you know, Oscar Wilde, is, but actually they are they probably are bisexual, but because we don't hear the word talked about and mentioned as a legitimate sexuality you know people still deny it to themselves you know and I think we've got a long way to go I mean you know we've got a job to do in what we're doing and you've got a job to do in what you're doing publicly as as an actor and a comedian you know I'm sure you can get some great mileage about uh, of the whole the learning curve of learning to be a bisexual in your comedy I'm sure Um, you know because there's lots of confusions out there as to what bisexual means of course you know everyone's going on about constantly uh, non-binary. And, of course, non-binary isn't bisexuality. You know, non-binary is gender and bisexuality is sexuality. And they're two different things. But people bang on about that a lot, don't they? You know, so, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure you could get this into your comedy.
4: I have to say, I think it's a good thing people are talking about non-binary all the time. But we should also be talking about bisexuality all the time. Um, Yeah, but
0: people do need educating about what it really means don't they because yeah. you've got the, as we said before you've got this issue of, of people think that being bisexual is a, is is on the way to being gay and obviously it's not for most people being bisexual means being bisexual
4: obviously education is the key but also i think a lot of people are put off about coming out as bisexual for exactly that reason they think well i i can't be i must be gay or straight and that's it those are the options, and so I think. And for me, it was the same. You know, for a long time, I was very confused because I was like, "Am I, am I gay? Do I fancy other women?" Like, and there's that it. And then I, you know, was married to a man. I was like, "Well, no, I, I, fancy him too." And and so it's it's. I think you think it's not an option because bisexuality is viewed, and I've heard it before, as like the gateway drug to coming out as as gay. And I think it's because, as well, there's not a lot of representation in the media. I mean, there needs to be more representation of so many things in the media. But there's not a lot of representation of of bisexual people just openly being like, I'm bisexual, you know, in a BBC interview and then moving on.
0: Yeah, people seem to really struggle just with the word bisexual, don't they? You know, TV programmes, films... You know, they'll make people bisexual uh, for a while and then get bored with it, make them gay, make them straight, kill them off. Um, people seem to struggle just generally with embracing the word bisexual. I'm not sure why and what it is. And, you know, what have you got any thoughts on that?
4: Oh, God, don't kill me off. Um, yeah, I think by a lot of people it's viewed as a phase and that doesn't help. By, I know some celebrities have publicly said, you know, after they've had openly had a same-sex relationship, then afterwards said it was a phase or it was just that person which isn't helpful really. Yeah, it's a weird one. It's sort of like bisexual is is an old phrase that's never really been used, but everyone's sort of low-level aware of it. So no one feels like there needs to be awareness created
0: yeah and then you've got this sort of notion that um, sexuality is uh, always changing and we seem to have embraced those words of fluidity don't we and, uh, and pansexuality and all the all these different things we seem to be happy with that you know not defining oneself but um, still struggle with the word bisexual
4: at some point you're going to be solid again <laughs> from the fluid yeah, I think it's a really interesting one because it's like, do we need to brand ourselves essentially under one title to get the awareness out there? Or is it, and I do think it's amazing that people can, you know, identify in whatever way that they feel and and call themselves whatever they want. But then equally, that means that, the you know, like, the word bisexual doesn't get out there as much so I don't know it's it's an interesting one I think you know also I think a lot of it does come from like own voices stuff like definitely in the book world you know I write children's books and my book is called Harriet versus the Galaxy my debut book and the main character has a hearing aid. And obviously I wrote that because I have a hearing aid and I want to see myself represented in books and for children with hearing aids to see themselves represented in books. But then I also made the best friend of Harriet, non-binary. And I, I think it's ve- one of a very few non-binary child characters in um, in literature. But for me, that's important because I have non-binary friends and and I see and hear, you know, their struggle to be accepted and that it it has started for them at a very young age. So I think it comes from what all we can do as individuals who identify in a specific way, be it bisexual or disabled or non-binary or you know, if you feel that's how you identify, then we need to support each other and raise each other's voices about our own experiences. And that's what I mean as well about at the beginning when I talked about the community, I feel like, you know, I found a very strong deaf community. And it's among people who um, speak using sign language and were born into a deaf community. And you know access the world that way and then people who've had hearing loss over time and have come into the deaf community later in life there is a really strong community there and there is you know obviously there's issues with everything but there is support there for kind of raising each other's issues and things that we need to change and and I'm just really hoping that that's also here with the kind of bisexual and LGBTQIA plus community that you know, and and I've seen it, but you know, if we can all raise each other's voices and get representation for everyone. So it's not like we're battling. It shouldn't be like, oh, there's a trans character in this soap, so we can't have anyone else. Like, we should all be like, yay, we love the trans character in this soap. Can we also have a bisexual character and a non-binary character and a gay character? And they could all be the same person. Like, you know.
0: I mean, what's so stupid about it is really that bisexuality in a way has existed for centuries hasn't it yeah literally centuries you know there were times when people were you know extremely open about bisexuality and it wasn't really I suppose called bisexuality um it just happened didn't it I mean I often think it'd be good to have I've said this a few times on the show you know it'd be great to have a bisexual amnesty when you give people the opportunity to actually come out and say actually at some stage in my life I have actually been bisexual I've had bisexual thoughts or I am bisexual um to so give people an opportunity just to say it uh and to not be condemned um i think that would be a great thing really but you know uh, whether it would work or not i don't know
4: which which is kind of mind blowing because it's been around for so long like you look at the ancient greeks the ancient romans they were very open you know sexually with just fancying whoever they liked yeah, I think obviously in, in different countries, you know, it's illegal to be with someone of the same sex as you. And obviously that's going to have a huge effect on the amount of people who come out or or even accept that bisexuality is a thing because of the fear of, of it. I come from the kind of idea that if if what I'm doing, so all these things that I'm saying, you know, about divorce and about hearing loss and about bisexuality, if I can help one other person feel less alone and like, oh my God, there's someone else out there living their life. I'm not going to say doing well, doing okay (laughs) at their life, you know, like still getting on, having a job, you know, got a few followers on Instagram, um, and they're bisexual. So maybe that means that if I come out, that can be me. You know, I think if all of us could like do a little pledge, maybe on your bisexual amnesty, that we could just help one other person, you know, feel that they can come out or feel that they can understand what bisexual means or just hear the word, then... It'll spread. We're what did I call us? The undercover bisexual. We're the undercover bisexuals. We can spread our word through the world.
0: Now, a question I often ask people is a bit of fun. This some people don't like it because it's quite you know, it's just trivial, really trivialities. But I'm going to ask it anyway. And that is, you know, we're all we all have different tastes and things. How would you define your tastes? You know, what are your tastes when it comes to men and women, um, non-binary? Um, you know, what kind of people do you go for? What kind of guys do you go for? What kind of women do you go for?
4: Oh, I've not really thought about that very much. I, f- I fancy people who look so different in all genders. So I guess I fa- I fancy quite big men, like big in stature and fairly slender women. And I'm sort of like medium. So maybe that's why. And I don't, I don't know. I think it's more about, for me, it's more about the person that brings out different sides of me.
0: Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, personality as well. You know, do, do you go for, you know, is it different types of personality in men and, or women? Or, you know, what, what kind of personalities have you found yourself going for?
4: Well, I guess actually I, I like forthright women and quite sensitive men but not too sensitive so not that there's anything wrong with that but like I like men who sort of know can read their own emotions and know how they feel and have normally gone to therapy Um, whereas with women I think I like quite forthright kind of career-driven women and I think I have both of those aspects in me So, yeah, I guess it's pulling from different bits of me. I think
0: the thing that we don't often get the chance to do as bisexuals, really, because there's not much of a community, as it were, uh, it's not easy to find people who are bisexual, is to actually date a bisexual. It would actually be quite nice to, from the outset, date somebody who is also bisexual, wouldn't it?
4: Oh, I think it'd be great, because then we could, like, you know, talk about all the stuff and that hopefully they'd get all the prejudices and not be scared that I'm just going to sleep with any gender and, and all of that. And yeah, I'd love to date someone else who's bisexual.
0: Now, Samantha, it's been lovely um, talking to you and hearing about your experiences so far, and it would be nice to keep in touch with you really. And to get you on again, to talk about these issues um, because you know you you are going on a bit of a journey, aren't you?
4: <laughs> well, I was gonna say because I'm so at the beginning of it that I'm like, oh, I't will I have enough to say, but it'll have to be like a revisit, and then I'll be like, this is what's happened so far.
0: I mean, are you still doing you know, stand up you could you know could uh, you could visit this in your in your comedy, surely
4: So I've actually stopped doing stand-up comedy for hearing uh, related things, but also I've really enjoyed during the last two years of being at home, saying serious things as well as funny ones.
0: Well, thanks, Samantha. As I say, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, You're obviously very busy. Lots going on.
4: What's coming up at the moment? I'm focusing on the divorce club. I've got a, uh, there's going to be more series of that. I've got a children's book coming out called The Night the Moon Went Out with another deaf protagonist. Um, and yeah, my first children's book has been optioned for TV. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, so yeah, just acting in bits and bobs that I can't. Say anything about yet, but um, yeah, books and uh, the divorce club for the moment, I think, are keeping me busy.
0: That's great, thanks, Samantha. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for sharing with us your bisexual journey story.
4: Thanks.
5: You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch Podcast.
3: I am a journalist and broadcaster, and I'm 37 years old. I live in London with my husband. I'm originally from West Yorkshire. About five years ago, I had a single episode of psychosis, which led to suicidal ideation.
1: I'm Davan Rees, and this is life matters our very own nikki opens up to the new groundbreaking life matters podcast
3: now that i'm older and i look back i think in my teens i was beginning to realize that i was bisexual but i couldn't put a name to it there were definitely relationships that i had with girls growing up that were more than just friendships but i couldn't really put my finger on what they were worth. on top of all this angst all this pressure that i was under you know to perform I wasn't really able to be myself. I certainly felt like I can't live like this anymore.
1: Our aim with these shows is to discuss solutions and raise awareness of very important issues which touches many of us. This is Life Matters with actor Dov Reese. Listen within your podcast provider by searching for Life Matters and visit zerosuicidealliance.com for a free online awareness course that could help you save lives.
5: You're listening to Bisexual Brunch.
0: So Bisexual Brunch continues then with Nikki Hodgson, Lewis Oakley and with me, Ashley Byrne. In a bit, we'll have our first proper Ask a Bisexual feature. But first, a young Tory MP has this week come out as bisexual in an interview with former Labour MP Gloria DiPiero on GB News. I mean, we keep getting the odd one or two people coming out as bisexual um, in the news, which is great in different parts of the world. Um, the stories don't tend to make, you know, they are not don't make necessarily big news, but we've had one here in the UK uh, this week in which the Tory MP, is it Deanna Davidson? Is that how you say her name, Nikki? I think it is Deanna, isn't it? Deanna Davidson? I, I
3: don't know, actually. I was called Dehina, but
0: maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's Deanna. Uh, she's the MP for Bishop Auckland, who has come out as bisexual, done an interview for GB News, uh, which is great. Um, at first, I saw headlines saying she was the first to come out as bisexual because she wasn't. It was Michael Fabricant, and I th- I'm sure there are others as well. But anyway, apparently she's the first female to have come out as, as bisexual. And it's great, obviously, that she's come out and said this, but one of the, th- you know, the big thrust of her interview is that she said that, you know, she hadn't come out before and she would not want to make a big deal of it because, really... She doesn't want people to be thinking that bisexuality is different and unusual. Now, I think we all three of us here get that. But it misses the point, in a way, doesn't it, about the issues that are out there for bisexual people. You know, it's really important to hear this news, isn't it, Nikki?
3: Yeah, it's a funny one, because I do understand what she's trying to say. I don't want to make a big fuss about it, because it's just one aspect of my personality and who I am. I imagine, as well, within the Tory party... There's a bit of anxiety coming out because there's still a lot of old-fashioned backbenches that are quite funny about you talking about your sexuality. So I imagine she's trying not to alienate them and the voters that go with them. But the other thing I would say is that I feel it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Let's see what happens with it because there's a really clever way she could kind of use this to her advantage politically. You know, that gives her a chance to reach out to sort of younger voters, to be seen as normalising something that other people get a bit funny about. And potentially, you know, um, Boris's wife, Carrie Johnson, did this talk at the Tory party party conference all about what it's like to be LGBTQ. And, you know, that the Tories, although they've implemented a lot of laws in favour of LGBTQ people, they don't have the best sort of social record on backing them. So there's an opportunity again here, if you've got a young, vibrant on the rise MP who's by to really take charge of that and just say, well, you know, the future of LGBTQ Britain is Tory. If they wanted to do that, I'm not saying for a second, that's what I think she should do. But I just think, yeah, it, I think what'll be interesting to see is will the press then pick up on this and use it as a an excuse to kind of put her down, make her look like she's not serious. That, you know, I'll be interested to see what sort of stories come out about her if she continues on her rise. Does that make sense?
0: It does, yeah. Lewis, I, I think the thing that I suspect, so we'll see how it goes, but I suspect um, it'll be just seen as en- like any other coming out story in a way oh another MP's come out as you know generally they come out as gay or this one's come out as bi or you know somebody's come out as non-binary or whatever it may be and that's in a way missing the point isn't it Lewis because again we've mentioned that say that to Nikki missing the point is the, the fact that we seem to have this issue don't we by the media as a whole and I suppose society in certain areas um, think that these things have been done that they know bisexuality exists it's out there and fine it's no no big deal and probably isn't big deal to a lot of people but it is a big deal isn't it to loads and loads of people who are not able to be open about it um whether male or female or (laughs) non-binary
2: Well, exactly. It 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 is a big deal. It's huge. She's the first woman Tory um, MP to do such a thing, and I I, I feel I you know I can empathize, right? So I can feel like I get it. Like you don't want to be completely defined by this. There's other things to you. You've got policies. You're not here just for this. But at the same time, if you're gonna be the first, it, how can it not be be important? And it, it's not just about her. It is normalising and important for the, for, for the rest of us and for, for closet, closeted bisexuals. Um, I also, to your point of, uh, that Nikki was saying about, it'll be interesting to see how she's treated. It'll be interesting to see how she's treated by who she dates. Because I found a lot of bi people that have come out publicly, it's then all about, oh, their boyfriend of five years claims they were bisexual in 2015. Like, you know, those snide little comment things. So it'll be interesting to see how much she insists on that'll be her defining thing. It'll be how much she insists on being treated fairly as a bisexual. So she's come out and said it now and she said, look, I don't want to make a big deal of it. It's fine. But I think if people maybe cross the line and start trying to to, to take the mick with it, maybe she'll come out a bit stronger there and be like, no, I've told you, bisexual.
0: And, and also the other thing is, um, at the same time as this, I think she's come out and said that she's splitting up or divorcing her uh, husband and all that kind of thing. There will be people who literally just read between the lines on this and you know we'll be just thinking oh actually you know what she's just you know on that journey to being declaring herself a a lesbian and, and these are the things we need to challenge aren't they and 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 i'm not sure we get the opportunity to do that with these headlines that come out and we don't we never get to the depth of it and that's what worries me Nikki. that we we, we still you know we, we're we're still struggling to sort of help people understand what bisexuality is really
3: i think one of the biggest problems is that to move society on it requires people who come out publicly as bi to take risks and mps are not in a position to take risks most of the time especially when they're young they're starting out in their careers they don't want to ostracize people whether it's people in the party or voters and that makes them overly cautious they're not good at owning what they've come out as i mean i'd be really interested to see if this story has come out because someone has threatened to out her for example mm. or whether it's because she's just chosen to reveal it because it's part of who she is there's no sense of that yet and it is interesting that there's a divorce going on at the same time and there's multiple people in the background that she has dated or hasn't dated is that because she's been pushed
0: that's interesting. yeah yeah no it is interesting that could be the case but i mean from our perspective and you know we we represent in a way you know a lot of bisexual people we give a voice to quite a lot of people bisexual people in this country but also as we're finding out around the world who haven't got a voice at all what would we like to see her do you know i personally think i'm not saying she makes this a main issue but it would be nice to be in a situation whereby we've got an openly bisexual female mp who uses that in a way to sort of raise some issues um that exist around bisexuality i mean i think there is a there is a a a chasm really between you know she she's obviously Tory MP middle class and the rest of it she lives in certain circles whereby being bisexual probably isn't a big deal like we do in a way and we don't some people don't necessarily understand and acknowledge that there are issues and maybe this is an opportunity for her to you know, to enlighten herself about it and to raise those issues a bit because they don't really get raised, do they?
3: No, I mean, I think in particular, you know, two issues that we talk a lot about are, are hate crimes against bi people and health prejudice, you know, people not being seen uh, in the terms of their sexuality and how that affects what health care they receive as a result. They are two easy things she could petition for, you know, better treatment, like more concentration on the hate crime stuff and getting the healthcare that bi people deserve. And especially when we, you know, consider that bi people make up half of the LGBTQ canon, you know, we're talking about a sizable population that just isn't visible and doesn't get the fair treatment that it needs. She doesn't have to make it her flagship policy, but if she did those things, you know, that's what I'm saying. I find it really weird that Carrie Johnson, who isn't LGBTQ, is the person that's championing those rights. You know, it should be... It shouldn't be her, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I mean, what would you, what would you put, what would you put at the top of her list if she, if she decided actually, you know what, yeah, I want to use this opportunity to do something for bisexual people. What would you tell her should be top of her list, Lewis?
2: <laughs> I, I wouldn't say one singular issue. I'd say that actually just by being present and being a bisexual person in a position of power and authority, no matter to what, I mean, it says in this article, she dreams about being prime minister. So who knows how far she'll get. But I think that if you can be someone in a position of power, just holding people that are already doing good work in the LGBT space and being like, and what are you doing for bisexuals? And because she, you know, people are going to want to try and impress her as a, as an out MP in power. Like, she's going to be involved in more conversations now. So for her to make sure that she uses that to be a present bisexual and say, look, I'm not just going to pretend that you're, as an LGBT organisation, doing good things if it's only really benefiting one of the subcategories. Actually, what are you doing for bisexuals? That could be really helpful. I also do think maybe there is is just something of like, okay, well, if the right wing, if if our right wing party has got out LGBT people in it able to live live their lives, and hopefully we're, we're kind of on the right track, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, as we've said many, many times before, um, the Conservative Party, to be fair to them, actually, yes, a, there's a chequered history, but there is in all the parties, to be fair. The Labour Party was not always... Always completely pro gay. Even the Lib Dems have had issues with uh, with 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 uh, with it as well. And you know, so every party has a checkered history. But the Tories significantly have moments whereby they've made a difference. You know, Lord w- Wolfenden in the nineteen sixties was a big big thing. And then of course Edwina Currie pushed things on in terms of you know she didn't manage to get the equal age of consent, but she managed to get. A lowering of the age of consent and uh, you know if, and, and obviously um with the help of the Lib libdebs the um the the um the recent gay marriage or equal marriage thing in the in the coalition government so they have got there are positives there they're not you know they're, they're not all anti-gay and they're, they're actually a quite, in fact i don't know about this but if you if you did a bit of a survey and study i reckon there's more out uh lgbtq Tories than there is of the other parties, actually. If you add them up, I reckon there is, you know.
3: But is it coincidental? Is it just they've happened to be in that party? So, you know, maybe there are a bunch of people in Labour and the Lib Dems that aren't out because they don't need to be out because they're not LGBT and it's just how it's fallen? Or is it because I always suspect with the Tories they worry much more about personal matters coming to the fore because they can be blackmailed more easily because of. You know the idea that they are conservative about family or personal issues—is that why more of them come out because they're pushed? I don't know.
0: Yeah, who knows? Anyway, oh, what we've got. I love, we, what, I love what,
2: the what, whole what, backstage politics <laughs> <laughs> <stuff>. like, <laughs> well, while thinking
0: thinking that Nick is bringing to
2: discussion. Well, we're only getting half the story.
0: Yeah, he's always thinking. He's always thinking about his, his possible political career. we You know, we—you we, we, huh. can tell, can't you, Nick? He's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's plotting. He's, he's plotting.
3: always very diplomatic. Yeah, yeah. Well, A bit I'll too have,
2: diplomatic. No, I have nothing to hide. Like there'll be hours and hours of our conversations. Here for them to go through a bit. Like, well, I've already said anything. You, well, you me, <laughs> me. We, we anything. Could,
0: we could, You just look you up on the internet. We know exactly that you've got nothing to hide. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like you to put some
3: clothes on years ago.
2: I know. Well, there we go.
0: Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we well we obviously welcome this. It's good it's good news. I just hope that, you know, she can she can use it in a way that helps people really. Because otherwise I don't you know, it, it's alright coming on and saying, Oh, you know, I don't I didn't want anyone to talk about it because um it's not a big deal um i think our message to her is sadly it is a big deal and actually um you know by visibility is really really important and that is probably the biggest issue that we have really is that invisibility the fact that people don't really recognize who we are and what we are and just want to shove us in little boxes of Gay or straight, depending on what what's going on, and she'll experience that now. Actually, she she will experience some backlash. We've all been there in that situation, haven't we? And you know, she's likely to come across that. So let, let, let yeah, watch this space. I suppose is the is the line really, isn't it?
2: Well, if she's listening to this, you're more than welcome to come on.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So bisexual brunch um, continues with Nikki Hodgson, Lewis Oakley, and with me, Ashley Byrne. Now to that feature that Lewis created, and this is the first one it's time for something you want to know
1: why not ask a bisexual
0: and our first ask a bisexual question comes from elio in spain actually in madrid and she says do bi people try to express their bisexuality externally in some way clothes makeup hairstyle what do you think have you done that Nikki?"
3: Oh, this is such a good question. So I was thinking about it today. When I was testing the water as someone that was into women, I started to really take a good look at myself. Because obviously, when you talk about women, fancying women, whether they're lesbian or bi, you talk about femmes and butchers and people that are somewhere in between, and maybe there's a bunch of the different labels that people use. And I'm very femme. I haven't got my makeup on today because I'm still emptying boxes, that's what I'll say. But generally speaking, I do my hair, I do my makeup, that's my thing. I like to look girly. And um, it occurred to me that I might be putting certain people off as a result of my look. So when I started to come out, I started to be more experimental with the things that I was wearing. I got a lot more comfortable with being more neutral in my appearance, maybe wearing clothes that were a little bit more ambivalent and uh, certainly not wearing... The kind of, I don't know, corsety uh, bodycon fashion that I'd always worn as a teenager in Yorkshire that attracted a certain kind of guy. You know, there was a bit of scope there to be a little bit, I don't know, a bit more free and easy and not worrying too much about whether what I wore necessarily attracted a certain kind of person. So that for me was a big revelation. So I don't think I did that consciously, but it was a time of exploration for me. So I think one of the things that's probably the most difficult about being bi, and it's difficult for other people that are looking in on bisexuals, is that we don't have a definitive look. There isn't a dress code, really. There isn't a certain hairstyle that marks you out as bi. And that's as it should be, because we're all individuals and we don't want to look homogenous, do we?
0: No, absolutely. I mean, for me, when I think of bisexual people, obviously this is people in public eye, I suppose, but there are quite a few bisexual people who have been fairly eccentric, you know, I'm thinking of people like George Melly, and uh, I suppose Freddie Mercury to an extent and, of course, you know, going way, way back, Oscar Wilde. And there's an element from, to me that would like to be eccentric. I've never really done it, but I'd love to wear a, you know, try and you know, wear a trilby or, a, you know, a, just look, you know, look a bit different and sort of try and sort of make people, you know, their eyes prick up and think, oh, what's he about? What's he doing? You know what I mean? I've never done it, really. But there's part of me that would like to do it. I quite like the idea of being a little bit different in that sense. And I suppose that's part of being bisexual, the fact that, you know, you accept difference, you accept, you know, diversity, you accept a little bit of um, that sort of, um, you know, eccentricity. I suppose I quite like the, the dandy kind of thing, you know what I mean? um you know and and uh, yeah I'd love to do that but I don't know if I'd ever I mean my problem with things like hats is because I've got quite a roundish face hats never suit me they always look absolutely awful on me nothing fits properly so I don't think hats are the way but maybe I don't have to I'll have to think about it but that is certainly something you know that actually it's not something I've done in the past but actually now I'm getting older I might start to style myself a little bit differently. What about you, Lewis? Or I mean, do you think bisexual people <laughs> generally are a bit more experimental about these things? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm literally thinking of what your look could
2: be. Maybe you could have like a top hat and like a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, <laughs> On the whole, bisexual, I mean, it kind of ties into what we're always saying about bisexuality is invisible, and what Nikki was saying about well, we're also vastly different. We're not all going to walk around with like purple eyebrows as like a, as a sign that we're bisexual. It's one of the things I've kind of struggled with um, with some of the media stuff I've done. So especially when submitting pictures for articles and stuff, it's like, well, that's just a picture of me. So I've always tried to, you know, work the word bisexual into the picture somehow. And actually there wasn't a lot of t-shirts and stuff and there was never a real... So for me, like, obviously we know what the the colours of the the bisexual flag are and they're great and I will use them here and there. But for me, I'm like, but I would never really wear something so colourful in my day-to-day life like I wanted to make some t-shirts that just had the word bisexual on with a logo I designed um and I actually had them made and I've used them for photo shoots I've worn them to prides and stuff and on the odd day where I've been feeling really bisexual just wearing it to the supermarket and stuff um but for me I think it is about feeling comfortable because there's so little on offer like clothes wise that would say you know bisexual or whatever it is um that it kind of... It, it only tails for that kind of person who wants to be really out and proud about it. Whereas I could just do, like, a, a little... It just says bisexual on on the side, just a little bit. Just so if you really look, you can see it, you know? <laughs> a little um,
3: detail, yeah. Yeah,
2: so I feel like there's that. Although, strangely, I was talking to someone recently and they were saying, like... You know how people say they have a gay or You can kind of, like, tell with 60% of gay people that they're gay by looking at them. They were saying, like, oh, I think that you can do that with bisexuals, you know? Like, I think that... There is a radar. You can kind of sense them when you're really looking for them. And I'm trying to do that now. And I actually, the other day, I was like, I was, I was at an event and I kind of had vibes that there was this one guy that was bisexual. Anyway, I got to talk to him and he was. And I was like, oh my God, I've got the gift. Like maybe after all these years, I can finally identify my people.
3: Oh my God, this is blowing my mind. I mean, to be fair, my favourite colour is purple. So I willingly wear that. And if that means I am identifying myself as bi, then I'm very happy with that. But then is it, you know, for years I wanted a, I wanted an undercut on my hair on one side. I've got a round face too, Ash, and I wouldn't suit it. I just wouldn't. I've got a friend with a very beautiful, very well-shaped boned face and she looks amazing with it. But I think, like, little things like that give a little nod as to the flavour of you not being in the one pigeonhole. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. It's all about individuality and I've always been um, in favour of that and... If through bisexual brunch we can try and celebrate that and explore that a little bit more, so you know, if anybody's listening and listening to this and and it feels inspired by what we're talking about, please get in touch and let us know because it you know it would be nice to explore these things a little bit more. Because as we've said before, you know, the, the, the gay community it does become a stereotype. I know that gay people are into this and into that, and they wear this and wear that. But there is something to hang on to and something to share. And I think with bisexuality, we don't have that much really at the moment. And I think we need to try and find it. And I think I'm with you, Lewis. I'm not, I mean, I like purple. Purple is one of my favourite colours, actually. I love purple. But it feels as though some of these things have been foisted on us a little bit. I don't know why, but they, they're there. And we haven't, I don't think we've really properly explored. Our real identities really. Not yet anyway. You know,
2: I think I it's about diversifying mm-hmm. as well. There's loads of gay people that don't like glitter and rainbows. Um, and there's gonna be loads of bisexual people that don't like purple or purple, blue, and pink all in one t-shirt. So I think it's about diversifying what's on offer for us to wear. And like even the logos, like a lot of the bisexual like things will be like, you know, they're quite like very blunt. <laughs> Maybe. Whereas, like, I like to have a little bit of fun with things, like you know, a riddle, maybe.
0: But that I think, I, think, well, I yeah. think that is partly because, um, and I think it's the same across the LGBT world as a whole to an extent, because a lot of the, a lot of the images, a lot of the emblems, a lot of the logos, whatever, come from a period of where everyone's had a struggle of whatever, I think they they needed to be fairly blunt and and straightforward and all the rest of it. And I I think, you know, we've still got those struggles, but I think things are evolving now. And, you know, we need to explore it a bit more. Go on, Nikki, what are you saying?
3: I was going to say, if anyone's listening and they think, oh, you've all got it wrong. I know what buy style is. And I can all give you some tips as how to buy style yourselves. Well, get in touch, because I would love to be made over for a week as an actual bi person. That would be wonderful. I would 100% sign up for that.
0: Well, thanks, guys, for your views on Elio's question. And that was the first Ask a Bisexual feature. Thanks to Elio uh, from Madrid for contacting us with that question. And there'll be more in coming shows.
1: Ready to ask a question of your own? Send an email now to info at madeinmanchester.tv. And in the subject line, say... For the attention of Bisexual Brunch, and you might get featured on a future show. Don't be shy, they won't bite.
0: What's all this about? We don't bite. I think uh, if you ask nicely, one of us might. (laughs) Probably Nikki, actually. (laughs) Anyway, that's it for another Bisexual Brunch. Okay, well, that's bisexual brunch for this week.
2: If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at at @bisexualbrunch on Twitter.
3: And thank you for listening. And we'll see you later.
0: Bye for now. Right, so Lewis, what's next on your agenda?
2: Next on my agenda, right, I'm going to hit the YouTube. I'm going to find some more workout videos. Beat the dad bod. Here we go. I'm going to only eat healthy things. No more sugar. No more bread. Um, and the next time you see me, I'm going to be so hench. You're not going to believe it.
0: You see, I don't think you should worry too much. I think you're looking good, actually. I think you look really good at the moment, to be honest. I don't think we'll you Well, tell that worry- to
2: the jeans I can't fit in.
0: <laughs> I don't think you should worry too much, actually.
2: Thank you. Well, you know what? The other thing that is like, ah is I'm having my first photo shoot in like a year and a half because of the pandemic, I'd never do a photo shoot. So that's coming up next week as well. And I'm like, oh my God, like I don't think I can do the topless shots anymore. Like I might have to keep the t-shirt on. And that to me is a, a symbol of like, oh my God, because you're not happy with your body.
3: No, no, look, we can we can all have breaks. Right, look, I've got a wedding dress in the new house that I wore for my micro wedding that I have to rewear at some point. I have no idea if I fit into it and I have no intention of finding out at the minute. <laughs> until I've done this crazy block of exercise and got rid of the wine and the bread. Then I will dare to try it on before Christmas, not after, because that would be just the worst thing you could do to yourself, try on a wedding dress in January. All I'm saying is, from years of experience and having to go tell telly and all the rest of it, it's okay to take a break sometimes. And you're putting all the steps into place to restart, so it's
0: all good. Thank you, guys. But the other thing is, you know, in true bisexual style, in you know, embracing all sorts of diversity and whatever, why don't you actually embrace the bisexual dad bod it could be a thing it could be a thing (laughs) it's not my thing
5: (laughs) this program is an mim production remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts